guys, welcome back to another Train Brave podcast. I'm Rina McGregor. And I'm Chris Handy. And today we are delving into more uh, closely into like how you train the female athlete. So what I mean by that is, is like kind of understanding the difference between male and female and how they respond and how we respond, not just to training physically, but also the communication and the language that needs to be used and the education around um, how you ensure that they become empowered and um, kind of meet their best. I think from my point of view, the other thing I want to help female athletes understand is how to manage your expectations a little bit more. You know, like we are quite an unusual species in that we have these all these hormones flying around all the time. And we do have more hormones flying around generally than men. So just going to put that out there. We have all these hormones flying around. And this means that no two weeks are the same for us. So, you know, like I've, I've spoken about this before, but it's, you have certain weeks of the month where seriously, I feel like I could just smash every session and feel amazing. And, and like, you know, just think, yeah, this is, this is, I'm strong and I'm fast and I'm powerful. And then literally two days later, three days later, it can feel like the complete opposite. And I used to beat myself up about it a lot. And then I started to notice the trends and realize that actually these changes were having, were happening at specific times of the month. So it made it, made it so much easier for me to just become a little bit more kind of just a bit more compassionate towards myself, you know? So I know at certain points, and I think you've picked it up as well, Chris, when you're training me, at certain points, I can't, I can't balance on one leg at all. Like it just falls apart completely. And yet the following week, I can be smashing the same exercise and it's not a problem. So I guess like what we want to do is just kind of give you some insight into what we've experienced and how we see the differences between coaching men and women. Um, and I'm going to kind of throw it open to Chris first, because obviously you've learned a lot. I know, I mean, you've always been a great coach, but you've learned a lot in the last 12 months since I've kind of come into the network a little bit more and we've worked together a lot more closely. So I guess the first kind of question would be like, you know, what are the key things that you've, you've learned about working with women? Mm. Well, obviously, yeah, I've been a coach for quite a long time now, and when it comes to kind of being working with women, um, obviously, I've, it's been a, a learning process from for the last please well, a long, long time, ten years plus. But um, I guess my experience it comes from I'm, I'm coming from a place of experience where, where I've obviously had Polly, my wife, obviously being a professional triathlete, and obviously being her kind of husband partner coach etc i've had to watch uh, watch that kind of that process of watching a, a young lady a young woman becoming you know turning into an athlete a full-time athlete but you know everything that comes with it the kind of the undulation the, uh, the the roller coaster ride that comes with it as you say like month for month peaking with great sessions kind of troughing with these kind of really subpar or these average sessions which are kind of unexplained because sleep's on point you know, like she's eating the same stuff, but you know, this emotional, this emotional kind of, yeah, roller coaster that she was on, and being a, being a partner and coach, you kind of you just along for the ride, but you're trying to kind of work out what you know. You can't really explain it. You kind of just say, well, you know, it's just not your day, or you just you know, you just maybe you weren't mentally there in in the moment. But over the over time, you start to kind of think, well, maybe it's more than that. And then obviously, when we came together, it's we've I've kind of well, very quickly realised it was a lot more than that, and it's it's been a really great learning process for me because in the fitness industry, especially, especially even in my gym with all my clients, you know, it's probably a 65, 70, 30 split, you know, like female to male. So most coaches I would hazard most, whether you're a running coach, triathlon coach, whether you're a strength coach, you're probably looking at a, a, a larger percentage of females to males. So you probably, you should, you know, you, you want to be like knowing how to deal with women because women are going to be making up most of your, your client base. But yeah, I've really learned like so much and, the three things I've always wanted to do with women was obviously with people essentially is kind of empathize, educate and empower. And they're the three things I always, always kind of pride myself on trying to make sure I kind of do with everyone I work with. But since being with you, Rini, it's really kind of taken that, that understanding to another level because it's kind of about able to really deep dive into the why these 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 reasons you know you said to me about your balance and your you're having those like low low, low those average sessions subpar sessions 
and again it's like that kind of the um the hormonal like the, the hormonal differences at different times of the month and and that's really kind of allowed me to then when i am sitting down with a new client or when i am doing a virtual like i've been doing lots of virtual kind of consultations recently and i'm not you know that they that it's now part of my interview process it's part of my consultation now it's like okay you know what's your training program like what do you know what, how much tra strength training have you done in the past you know any previous injuries all those common questions but now there's a whole new battery of questions that i can kind of sink in there which are like so you know uh, how's your cycle like you know what's your relationship like kind of with, with with certain things how's your sleep so many things now that have become much more holistic approach to the way i coach because of our relationship so it's been a great learning process like it's been a great learning process the whole way and obviously it's it's going to be continuing continuing to learn you know about because every every woman's different every woman's story is different you know everyone has a different journey and lifestyle and that all has different implications on person that you're working with in front of you so with you Rooney you know you're very you know you're you're a unique person to work with mm -hmm. you have your own stresses and you're a, you're a very busy woman both professionally and um, socially and so that all has impacts on training and that's obviously that's our main focus together is to make you optimal but um but yeah they, they, you know we have to consider so many different things not just your training so yeah it's been great so far I think one of the things that I find is quite interesting in my own practice when I've worked with males and females is when you when you do an interview when you first do your first assessment with with a with a male athlete they're all they generally tend to be very much about numbers and as long as you can give them enough data they will accept what you say and it's quite it's quite interesting because you can say you know right uh, you need x amount of carbs before this type of session you need to refuel with with x amount of carbs and x amount of protein and and they just they just they accept it it's not a problem when you work with female athletes food is quite an emotive subject with with females in particular and i think that's a societal thing i don't you know it's not just um it's not just like oh women are more emotional about food it's come from society societal pressures you know like there's the, you know Susie Albrock wrote that um book all those years ago you know fat is a feminist issue like we've had these pressures for years and years and years and I know there's a lot of kind of um there's a, there's a lot of backlash against it with you know people talking about um diet culture and and body positivity and all these different things but fundamentally unfortunately still if we read between the lines aesthetics does seem to play a huge part in a female's confidence um, and i'm not talking about um red s or eating disorders or anything like that i'm just talking about females in general yeah, of course we know it's we know it's feeding into males as well so i don't want to completely rule out men but but I know that, you know, women feel pressure um, to, to be accepted. And I think that's where it comes from. It's, it's not about, although we would say, yeah, but I feel more confident if I'm X amount of body fat percentage or whatever it might be. Fundamentally, when I always question that is, but why? And it always comes back down to approval and acceptance because to be accepted in society we have been told for years and years and years and years that women need to look like x um, and i guess that pressure is always there within you um, as a female and that's why our relationship with food is probably a little bit more emotive than men from that point of view and so i guess that's one of the big things you have to take into consideration when you're working with a female athlete is that they will always do the work you give them because let's face it, all the women that we've worked with are incredibly driven and passionate about achieving their goals, whether that's, you know, getting stronger or whether that's, um, you know, completing a 5K in less than 20 minutes, whatever it might be, they're very, very passionate about it. And while I'm one of those women, and I know that I am, I still will question a woman and say, but why? Why is that so important? what does it say about you and i guess like for most of the women it's about proving 
their worth. Like, I think, again, I can't speak for all womankind, but I know from my own personal, for myself, I want to prove that I'm equal hmm. and strong like a man. Like I can, I can, you know, like I, I know this, this sounds really sad. I still get pleasure if I overtake a man when I'm running along the canal. <laughs> Secretly. Hey, if you, were, if you can come for a run with me anytime and you'll always overtake me. <laughs> but what I mean is, it's, it's, and I remember the first time I raced and, um, and I, you know, and I did really, really well. And a couple of guys came after me, up to me afterwards and said, don't like the fact that I got chicked, but well done anyway. And it was quite an interesting, it was quite an interesting kind of observation. But, you know, I guess that's the thing that like whenever I, whenever I do race, I do tend to race in sort of probably the, the front half of a race, generally speaking, where you are generally with more guys because it's just the way it seems to be. Um, in ultras, I think it's, it's quite different. Like in ultras, there's more women at the front generally than guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess like, I think, you know, like going back to why we're talking about this, it's, it's being able to understand, if you can understand the motivation behind a woman, you can then ensure that the language you use and the processes you put in place to support that female from a training point of view is going to get optimal outcome, right? Yeah, it's, and this is the thing, right? It's for like being a being a coach. It's easy to think it's just optimal performance, right? It's, it's like you can get. I and I'm just thinking here about always about all the different all the different women I've ever worked with, especially my wife, obviously Polly. I'm thinking, you know, like you know, she's she dominates men that she always has done in terms of running and cycling and swimming you know she was dominate I mean, I'm, I'm nothing compared to her our first date was going for a run and that was my biggest mistake because obviously you know she i didn't realize what i had pocket rocket i had the uh, i had started dating because um she she left me for dust and i remember just being suffering the whole time but obviously like when it comes to like that the why behind working with that with that individual especially women it's so easy to think it's just optimal performance and a lot of the time it's not, it's, there's, there's so many other factors to consider. And like, you know, the training is the easy bit. And I will always say this, but they'll tell you this when you're as a coach, you get to a point in like when, when you've got, you've got a lot of experience, you kind of know the best ways to train someone. And so training someone is not the hard bit. It's, it's understanding the why and the, the, the behind of the individual. And, and that's when you really have got to start to really understand and build that relationship quickly with that individual, because you can't just start throwing and layering intensity into someone because it's, it's easy to do that. Like, and I see so much of that from these coaches. They think that that's the most important thing. And it's not it's like give, filling someone's training peaks account with X, Y, and Z is so easy. It's like anyone can do that. Like you can cut and paste them, just drop anything into that account and they'll do it. Understand taking a moment to, well, taking several moments to understand mindset relationships, work life you know like are they socializing what's their relationship with food what's their sleep quality like you know so many things and it's amazing how as soon as i started answer asking those questions while you know after after us working together boom instantly like it you immediately start making different changes to their training uh, you start adjusting okay maybe a little less work here a bit more focus on this bang optimal performance like percentages just everything started to increase speed power like mental acuity like everything started improving and it wasn't nothing to do with the weight they were lifting or the reps they were doing or the 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 times they were doing it was all the other factors because i had to i've been i've been empowered myself to ask better questions i think that's what it takes a lot of time is to experience with with experience you, you get to you get you have a much better ability to ask better questions and i think that's one of your skills really is that you after years of doing this you don't just ask the obvious questions you know like you ask the right questions and you only need to ask one question and it's like like it, they, they're like uh i've never thought of that okay that's probably pretty significant and that's what a lot of i know a lot of our girls and like, we work with They've, you know, they've realized, you know, they've, they've been searching for months and years for that reason of that answer. And you, and you did it with Polly, like, you know, you, you just, you sat her down for a couple of coffees um, and you, you just talked through it. And it was actually for us, it was taking away exercise to a certain degree. You know, we, we had to really dumb down a lot, a lot of the exercise because Polly was going from a professional 
professional triathlete mindset where she was training every day, metrics going through her mind, constantly thinking about competition, training every, you know, to suddenly going, right, if you really want this, you're going to have to kind of change some significant things. And we thought we had done it. And me being a co-coach, Polly being the athlete, we hadn't done as, as much as we thought. And, you know, it, and so I guess that it's having that, that team around us that really helped us and having you in our corner really helped that shifted, that shifted everything for us. So, yeah. And I think, I think definitely what you're saying there about coaches arming themselves with information, because fundamentally when we work with somebody, we all want a good outcome, right? Like the client wants a good outcome and we want a good outcome. Now, as an individual who, um, is very aware that I work in a very challenging profession and a very challenging area of nutrition I am also very very conscious that sometimes outcome will not happen and I have accepted that it was difficult when I was like a quite a young junior practitioner but through experience I've realized that sometimes you have to you have to change the the boundaries of outcomes so in an ideal world I would always want someone to have a much better relationship with food and exercise after they've stopped working with me and be able to get the best from their performance. However, in some cases, I have to accept that even if they just get a slightly better quality of life, even if they are still functional in their behaviors, then that's also enough. And, 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 and that you only find that out from when you start working with somebody and work out where they are and what their motivators are and what their barriers are and whether you can push them. But fundamentally going back to coach client relationship, we all want, you know, you don't, nobody comes to you and goes, I don't really care what you do with me, Chris, cause I just want to do this for fun. Like nobody does that. Like everybody wants, you know, everybody wants something, whether it's an aesthetic, whether it's a, a, a you know, fitness goal or a strength goal, everybody wants something. Mm. So, if you want to empower, as we've talked about, understanding the female body is one way of doing it. So as you just pointed out so clearly, smashing a female every single week with the same kind of training program is not going to work, right? Because again, females are really hard on themselves. A lot of women will be, they're more critical of themselves than men generally. There's, there's some good kind of psychological proof about that. I'm going to have to jump in, right? Because just because there's a thought I need to, mm. I see a lot women training, like female athletes training with male athletes. So obviously a lot of triathlon clubs, running clubs, and the coaches obviously treating them all as one, you know, and it's, uh, I, you know, how, how, I mean, this is a question we, we would like to maybe think about how we answer it, but you know, how, how would you go about kind of making sure that those female, the females potentially are not training now, not being so hard on themselves because obviously we are dealing with a lot of athletes, female athletes who are like who kick themselves for not keeping up the boys or keeping up the men, and you know they don't you know and it's it's just not the same mindset. You know, there's going to have those dip, there's going to be those obvious dips that we are, we're aware of. But do you know what I mean? Like how how mm-hmm. we go about kind of educating the coaches to better communicate with their athletes, in, or even just obviously start first and foremost being aware of that situation, that scenario. But then obviously then how would you expect them to go and go about communicating that? Because obviously. I've kind of learned how to do that within the gym space, class environment, you know, like, you know, groups of people, hey girls, like, you know, I'll pull someone to a side and say, hey, just, you know, don't be too hard on yourself today. We, you know, we're going for a PB squat today, but, you know, don't feel like it's going to, it might not, you know, it might not be, you know, if you're not feeling up to it, don't wor- don't worry about it. You know, like you straight away are kind of aware with sort of my, our females, like, like, don't worry, you know, like if you're not in the place to do it. It you know it's, it might you know it might not be the day, so uh, yeah I think it's, a, it's it's an easy one to sort of say, but then it's hard it's not it's not so easy to kind of implement it on a group scale maybe I don't know. Well, I think actually it could be, and I think this is one for coaches is one way I would do it is if you are working with a group of male and female athletes who are training together, get to know your female athlete cycle. Like lots of athletes are now like lots of um, coaches are now asking their female athletes to put their cycle on their training peaks or whatever method of um, monitoring they're using and and um, and I think get familiar with it because chances are you will start to see that in the in the kind of the middle phase of their menstrual cycle so I'm talking probably from day seven to about day 15 16 roughly and it is rough 
they will be smashing it. They'll be able to keep up with those boys and they will be on par um, because, because of the way the hormones are at that stage, we are at our best during that kind of phase. So it's also when I tend to do my best pull-ups um, <laughs> or my best bench press. <laughs> but, um, but, it, but it's so important because as a coach, you could really empower a female athlete at that moment by saying, you know what, we're going to do the, whatever the 5K time trial or whatever it is that you're doing once a month during that period. Now, the difficulty is obviously is aligning all the females to be at the same time. That's the hardest bit, right? That is difficult. But maybe it's something, you know, you, you work with your group that you have set in groups and you, you, they do them at different intervals so that everybody is actually benefiting from that kind of competitive environment, which is so important. But equally, what we don't want to do is I don't want female athletes to come out of a session like that feeling they've got to push even harder when actually they're probably already maxed out. Um, yeah, that has to be a massive thing from this podcast today to you guys, is the, the ability to be able to step outside and understand why. Like all these things that we talk about is you know, being a good coach is allowing the individual, you know, the athlete, to understand more about themselves. And I think like, you know, some, some of this type of discussion is kind of, give yourself a break you know understand the why behind like you know these these dips you know like you know sometimes it could be nutrition sleep etc but in this case it's very much uh, a physical thing you know it's a it's a it's an uncontrollable it's a natural you know all these things but your ability to be go okay yeah that makes sense it's that time of the month you know etc like you know it's not it doesn't have to be it's not a crutch but it's it's just it's, just, it's like you know it's potentially you know it's factual so it just go go with it you know like um and i know a lot of the, a lot of the girls um like high-end athletes we work with they kind of they know it you know they'll walk in and they'll tell me straight away that hey well you you'll say to me um yeah I'm you know, quite don't expect you know don't expect gold from me today kind of thing you know and it's like cool you know like but you, you know what would you say the percentage is? I mean, what's the drop? You know, like, you know, we, when we talk about this, like, you know, probably not a good idea to be peaking or trying to max, max out lifts or try and look for that peak performance in it when you're in this kind of, in this, you know, in this state, but, or this time of the month. But I mean, it's not, I mean, what's, what, what sort of percentage is it? 10% drop, 20% drop? Is it, you know, like, is there, is it, can we put a number on it or not? I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't think the studies have been done to put a number on it, to be honest. So I don't think we can put a number on it, but I think what we know is that when you, it's, it's like basically when progesterone starts to rise and, and takes, um, it becomes more dominant. So this is the second half of your menstrual cycle. So post ovulation, um, progesterone starts to rise. It's during that phase, it's the progesterone, the effect of the progesterone. So it's, it's also this time where women get really cross with themselves because they find themselves having cravings. So they want more sugar, they want more chocolate, they want more bread, they want more, you know, they, they want, and, and they beat themselves up about it so much. And it's like, well, no, actually the progesterone means that you do have higher demands because you are burning a higher percentage of sugar when you do anything, even just sat at your desk, you're using much more sugar much more carbohydrate so that is why your body is is demanding sugar and again beating yourself up about it like this is something i want to try and get through to females is that we have to be it's not being kinder because i think this whole self-care kind thing gets a little bit uh, kind of blurred sometimes it's about being more forgiving of yourself it's about being able to say do you know what yeah I, you know, I, I am significantly hungry. I, I need food. Um, that's okay. To respond to that is a positive thing. Do you know why? Because it brings consistency. It allows for consistency. I understand this, guys, is that the fact, because what happens is as soon as you start, don't, if you start behaving poorly towards that, kind of, that, that mindset, that's when you start, you start restricting or you start, you know, behaving uh, suboptimally you know and so you've got to understand the why and the, the more you can understand this the more you can accept this the more consistent you can be in terms of with your everything in terms of your emotional state everything all the way through, all the way down to your training so I think this is why it's so important to talk about isn't it because it's about being consistent you know managing your energy levels managing your fueling managing everything so you are able to be consistent forever so when I speak to female athletes who are who are who are racing during this period of time I would say to them like, right, okay, we know your period is during three days. 
right? We know this is probably the worst time for you to race. However, that doesn't mean it's going to be the worst race. It's about being aware of it. So what you need to understand and remember is during this time, your heart rate will be higher. So monitor your heart rate when you're racing, because obviously if you go up too high, you will end up um, hitting the wall, right? Because you'll use, your, you'll use your carbohydrate stores too quickly. Secondly, your carbohydrate stores will be up. So if you normally would be okay with like 30 grams of carbs per hour in a race, you're going to have to go up to 60 grams of carbs an hour and just accept that that's what you're going to have to do. Is that, are you throwing numbers around or are you actually doubling? Yeah, this is this. So this, so if I give you a case study, I, and, and she won't mind because um, she asked me to be her crew. So last year I crewed um, Ali Young, who is on the GB 24 hour team. And she's an amazing athlete. Um, and she did the Grand Union Canal the race and it's 100 yeah, yeah. miles yeah and i crewed with her and ran with her not all of it obviously um and we it was great because we met up the night before we were chatting and she said really like my period's due like da 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 and i was like okay well we, we're gonna have to really we have to change fueling we have to change it because our strategy is not going to work because you're going to need a higher amount of carbohydrate the other thing we have to be aware of is Ali is, she always gets quite hot. Like she's, she's actually incredibly muscular. So she's got a very high metabolic rate anyway, but she, she actually tends to train hot and run hot quite a lot. But obviously again, because she was in this phase of her menstrual cycle, you, again, your temperature goes up, your core temperature does go up. So you have to learn to manage it. So again, we'd been able to think about that the day before we got enough sponges, we've got ice, so we could put like, you know, like um, a nice vest on her and we could cool her off. And so we could change the strategy yeah. completely in one day because we were so aware of where she was in her cycle. And she was so open with me about about that. She came first, obviously, um, and she did great. She did absolutely brilliant. And, you know, it's like just because we're females and we may have these limitations, around our cycle that doesn't mean we can't work through them and i think that's the bit that you have to remember is it's i'm saying yes be more forgiving at times but also that's just bailey joining the podcast um but also remember that um you know there are strategies and things we can do so upping your fuel intake during a race that's a simple thing to do a lot of women won't do it do you, do you think some people right now are thinking it's not fair, you know, being a woman is it's hard, you know, things are harder. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm thinking there's two, there's two camps right now. People are thinking, bloody hell, this is, this is more variables to consider, you know, like, and it's, the thing is, that's, that's part of racing though, right? You know, if you want to get those extra, you know, if you want to be, you want to be great at anything, you've got to drill down into those variables and go, right, what, what do I need to tweak? What do I need to improve? And this is huge. I mean, this is, this is game changing. Like some of you probably never really considered this. And the fact that if you start actually being more aware of it and start behaving slightly more differently, you know, in terms of improving your carb intake, etc., game changer, right? Because yeah. uh, your, your, your performance is going to go through the roof in relation to what it was on that note. I want to um, continue your thought, uh, but I want to talk about the, the, um, the advantages of being a woman going mm -hmm. on because obviously there's you know there's been talk over the last year or plus about these it's certain individuals i can't name them but you know have done amazing results because well they there's a is that a myth i don't know that female females are potentially better going going longer than males i mean because of it, hormones and, yeah. it seems to be it does seem to be i mean there's not enough evidence yet to suggest that it's a consistent thing but there does seem to be particularly in swimming it's coming through there's there's some definite good research that shows that in in longer distance kind of like the open water type swimming events females are doing much much better yeah. um, Consistency of like the fat, fat tissue, or like what is that? It seems to be a, a combination of the ability to utilize more fat for fuel generally and having a slightly higher fat body, body fat percentage. Um, but then there's also the mindset of the female, right? And I think you know, some of the one of the women you're talking about, she'd had a baby and she'd done an incredible um, race while also still breastfeeding and, and all that kind of, I'm not sure personally, I would, I would be advocating that, but that's, that's not something I want to talk about today. However, one thing I, I still use when I'm racing is the mindset that I gave birth twice naturally. If I can do that, I can bloody well do anything. 
Um, and it does help my mindset, basically. And I think women can be a little bit more resilient mentally than men. Um, and again, I think it comes back also to the fact we can, we can sometimes be a bit more adaptable as well. Like we're a bit more flexible and adaptable. Like with, 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 I'm not saying this is not, this is not, this is a generalization, but, um, you know, men can be very, again, I see this in the, in the 24 hour team and, and we've, we've worked with it, but the men can be very, they're very disciplined with their nutrition plans and, and kind of, it's, it's very specific and they don't want to deviate from it um, because it's, it's what they know. Whereas a lot of the female athletes will go, right, this is my plan, my rough guide. But obviously, Rini, if you start seeing any changes in me, just throw out whatever you think you need to throw at me. It's, it's quite an interesting but I think this is quite like I don't th like I hope no one on this listening that takes our generalizations as like as gospel because obviously we're just going from coming from a place of like experience and some anec anecdotal evidence mm. but like I think like but for me me a difference between me and Polly I'll, I'm like a machine I'll just eat I'll just eat sometimes because I know I have to and I'll just eat I'll probably eat the same thing three nights in a row Polly on the other hand will have you know she likes to have you know like eat, eat, eat different things and you know she has a bit more, bit more consideration about things and I've even noticed that when we train like you know I'll just eat the same thing and if I but then you know Polly would you know, yeah she said there's like this it's it's this difference there's definitely a difference between the male and the female but you know it's not always going to be the, the case I think with every man and every woman but I've, I think I think a lot of the time yeah I think you're right like in that mindset towards like just keeping things really simple and black and white men I think men sometimes I find it's much easier to give give a man just a and ABC with other you know other women a lot of the time they want a bit more to you know have to deliver a, a bit a bit, deliver a lot more but which is fine but yeah it, it depends on the individual isn't it absolutely and I think yeah we are being very we are being generalistic so please don't take this as gospel but um but obviously yeah there I think there are definite there are big differences between male and female and, and we know that the brain of the male and female is different and how they you know generally speaking women's emotional brain is much more engaged um oh i've got to talk you know when it comes to um like coaching like when you really get down to the coaching level and i think a lot of coaches don't actually coach as much as they think they coach like there's coaching on like a superficial level where you're kind of giving uh training out right and you're giving out instruction and this this might i'm interested to see what people's thoughts are but you give out training programs right but then how much further deeper do you go with your athletes like what type of program are you delivering where you actually go and deep dive into that individual because we're coming from a place where we sit down face to face opposite someone look them in the eyes and like ask them those deep questions and that's the difference i think it's like kind of being like there's there's training someone like and then there's coaching someone and like there's there are levels to it and we're coming from a place where I love, I'm addicted to deep diving with people. Like I want, I love finding out more about them because obviously it allows me to give them a better program to optimize the performance, et cetera, et cetera. And it's, it's, that's, that's the difference. And I always think about this thing. Why didn't they think that? And I think, well, it's probably because they never actually, they don't want to go that deep with that individual or they try and stay above it. But I, I truly don't, don't believe that you can really help someone on a deep level, like on a, on a, on a high level high level athlete unless you go down into those areas and some athletes don't like you going there because it's kind of vulnerable it's where they're vulnerable but if you don't get into those areas you won't you, that's where the gold is i think that's where the, like some of the magic is like where you can really get some big wins so yeah i think there's a there's a hierarchy to the, the level of coaching out there and some of it's kind of broad and umbrella like and there's others that really kind of get into it and i think that's possibly where me and you come from if that's fair to say yeah, and I think so. And I think, I mean, I also think that, you know, just to kind of be, to be a bit of a, a diplomat in this, I think that some women, they don't want to be treated differently to a man. True. They feel incredibly strongly about the fact that why should I be? And, you know, and, and, I, and, I, and I kind of get that. How do you mean by that, though? Like, well, I mean, you're not, I mean, you're not obviously making it obvious that you're not, oh, you know, you, you, but, you know, like you, you don't need to make it that obvious that you are training them differently. You kind of just, you know, it's, it's just you don't make it obvious to the group or anything. You're just asking. You just are you just, you know, you're putting, you're just putting a few other extra questions in into the conversation that you probably wouldn't do with a man. I mean, yeah. and I think and I think, you know, I think, as you know, I'm very much pro this because I think 
if you tailor, like you would tailor nutrition to your training program to get the best results, if you tailor training to hormones, you will also get your best results. And, and this has been, it's, it's fairly new in terms of scientific, scientific kind of exploration, but there are lots more um, PhDs and studies going on around this subject at the moment, because we are definitely seeing the influence of the different hormones and what they do. Um, it's interesting. My, my um, interest in estrogen actually sounds sounds ridiculous but my interest in estrogen actually came about when i first started working i suppose with females who had eating difficulties but were athletes and and the reason being is i've always known that there's been this link between low estrogen and bone health obviously which is a very very um, established link and, and you know D'Souza did the first studies on that and and we know that's very very clear cut but then I started to see things like um, if females had their cholesterol tested for example when they had no menstruation going on so they had no estrogen available their cholesterol would be really really high and I was like well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like this, this person's not putting in enough energy. So why, and there's definitely no fat in her diet. So why would her cholesterol go up? And so I started exploring this and, and started seeing the links then between how, you know, estrogen is so important for the regulation of the amount of cholesterol females produce internally. So it's a protective factor. It's also why when a woman goes through menopause and, she's postmenopausal and her estrogen levels have dropped and she doesn't go on to hormone replacement therapy. It's often why their um, prevalence and incidence of cardiovascular disease goes up because they no longer have the protective factor of estrogen. So that was kind of like my first like, right, okay, this is really interesting. And then I started looking at estrogen generally as a hormone because I just think it's, I'm just a bit of a nerd as we both know. And so I started looking at it further and then started seeing the links with cognitive function. I'm like, my God, all these women I'm working with who just can't be rational, they can't quite put A and B together to come out with, with what, you know, you talk to them and they're like, yep, yeah, I get it, I get it, I get it. And then they go out onto the, into the big bad world of their own. And they just can't quite do it. And again, it, there's some very, very, very clear evidence around the importance of estrogen in cognitive function um, and mood. So again, with anxiety and, and again, if you look at postmenopausal women are a really interesting group to look at because they basically show you the signs of anybody who has um, low estrogen or no estrogen. You can see you're going to basically have exactly the same, but you won't be postmenopausal. You will have, you know, um, either hypothalamic amenorrhea or you'd be oligo oligomenorrheic can't even say it very well but where it's irregular um and then most recently i've been doing um some research because i'm working with a group of um i suppose mentees i'm mentoring them and they are um, individuals and di individual dietitians some working within the acute inpatient eating disorder units, some working in the community, some a bit like me who, who have done a bit in the community, uh, in the, uh, in the in, in inpatients, but now are kind of setting up their own practice. And so I've taken on a few, just a few people to mentor and we've had some really great discussions. Um, and we had this one case study that was brought to our attention and, you know, this, this individual's cognitive function had rapidly declined and, and then I asked, I asked all the questions in the same way as we ask questions to our clients. And I asked, I asked the, the dietitian the questions, you know, what's going with her menstrual function, what's happening um, with her cycle, how, when, what age does she start, et cetera, et cetera. What, what weight was she, all these different things that we would ask. And it transpires that the, the cognitive function declined rapidly when her period stopped. Um, and she's, she's in quite a bad way, this, this young, this young person. And so I said, well, there's, there's new evidence and there's a good study that's come out. There's new evidence that actually using hormonal therapy, particularly Eastern therapy can really help with body image mm -hmm. and really help with, um, cognitive function and, and kind of rationalizing mood. So, you know, I think we have to be 
mindful. We have to be aware that estrogen has always just been associated. You learn it in biology and it's just associated with having periods and having babies and that's it. It is super powerful, this hormone. And it has great performance benefits for us. So again, a lot of women don't realize that unless you have regular menstruation, you have you know, estrogen circulating, you won't get the lean muscle mass um, adaptations you're looking for because you can't produce your, you know, your IGF-1, so your growth hormone, you can't produce that if you haven't got enough estrogen going on. So it's it's got a lot of properties that people are not aware of. And again, I say this a lot, but it comes back down to the fact that we have dumbed down sports science and I think we've dumbed down fitness and nutrition so much because I think, you know, we've, we've, we've moved away from some of the kind of the clinical studies that I did when I was at uni and it's just become like, you know, you do a course on this and do a course on that and you can suddenly, you've got a diploma in nutrition and, and whatever. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being negative. I'm just trying to explain to people that if you really want to help someone, you have to have an understanding of the whole body. When you work, obviously your work with EIS and everything and working at the higher levels, I got off the phone call yesterday with one of the top guys, um, I won't say his name, but he was, you know, he works in like, you know, he's worked for the Lawn Tennis Association. He's worked for like cricket, you know, cricket, uh, you know, in England cricket, everyone. But he, it's funny how like his, the system set up at the highest, at the highest level, they have all these athlete management systems set up, multiple people, professionals in certain areas, making sure that obviously athletes are being looked after from different, you know, every, every, every angle, you know, everything's being monitored. And obviously that's peak performance. Obviously that's an elite performance. And what you're saying right now is obviously dumbing things down. It's obviously hard for grassroots coaches to obviously try and to, and people at like an amateur level to be able to kind of get hold of all those resources. I think what I, what we see a lot of is people leveraging too much of one thing. So they leverage the training too much. So they just go, right, that's what the elite are doing in terms of training. So I'm going to do the training as hard as I can. And that's what a lot of the amateur coaches are doing as well is they're going, right, five times a week, six times a week, I'm going to do these types of sessions, hills, intervals, et cetera, et cetera. But what they're not leveraging and they're not, they're not taking into consideration is all the other MDT, multidisciplinary team kind of work that's going on as well, where, you know, are you being, are you aware of what their emotional state is, their mood state, their stress levels, are there, you know, when was the last time they had their bloods done? What's their nutritional intake? There were so many things that kind of come at a high level. And I think that's like, dumbing it down is kind of it's kind of such a simple way of saying it but like you're just taking a like, oh, i think what a lot of people are doing they're just leveraging one aspect of what makes great performance or a healthy individual and they forget about all the other things that come into factor and a lot of people we talk to they're obsessed about the one thing that's that the obvious thing but they're not taking into consideration all the other amazing factors that build build a great human or help a health, a health a keep a human healthy kind of thing and i think you, all of you guys listening have got to kind of understand that there's so many other factors that you you and especially as a woman you should be under taking into consideration if you truly want to be if you want longevity in the thing that you're doing whether it's running triathlon swimming whatever you're doing if you want longevity and, and wellness and health for, forever you've got to have all those things i mean we talk about yours all the time don't we really like we you know we talk about like you you know you love to run you love to train training's not an issue like working hard is not an issue like but it's it's all the other stuff that you're making sure but socializing you know you like having a drink and you know etc you like having you know but it's all the other things like you know you know sleep is it you know like it's so many other things that we, we always talk about but yeah i think that's kind of that's my my thoughts on that i think yeah and i think i mean you know like yes i've worked at the eis i'm gonna be honest Again, even the high level coaches there were not always interested in what I had to say because they couldn't put it together. They couldn't see how it fitted. And I think the difficulty you have is that you've got to remember there's this very tiny window where um, a f any athlete, but we're working with female athletes at the moment, we're talking about female athletes, where an athlete will maybe push really hard with um, training they may not consciously, but subconsciously, or even when I say consciously, voluntarily, they might involuntarily lose a little bit of weight and they may get this great performance, right? And that's all the coach sees is that, right, 
that was the performance of the life. That was the one we need to recreate again and again and again. And they go back to recreating that training environment, but they don't look at the individual and go, this individual it cannot sustain this place. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it's not sustainable. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like they peak it, they peak them, and then they go, well, let's try and peak them again. Let's try and peak them again. And instead of just trying to elevate that slowly and get bringing up that, that level as a whole they're kind of they're ramping it up the wrong well they're ramping up variables too quickly too often and there's no consistency there and that's when obviously people break and fall to the wayside right well this is so this problem is that if if a female athlete has has got to that point where they've performed really well but actually in in the process of getting there they've lost their period then that's not sustainable because we've just talked about the importance of your period and estrogen. And, you know, that not just from a lean muscle mass point of view, but then we're starting to affect bone health. We're starting to affect mood. We're starting to affect performance. And so while you may get that one hit, that one hit wonder, that one opportunity where you do really, really well, you won't be, it's not repeatable. And, and that's really important to understand because that's unfortunately where women, I find the female athletes I work with, they get stuck because they remember that point where they performed really, really well and they want to stay there. But what they don't realize is they probably pushed it too far at that point as well. And unfortunately pushing it to that level has meant that they'd already created the, the, the perfect storm for things to become dysfunctional. I see this in um, bodybuilding. Like, mm-hmm. like it's a wonderful, it's, a, it's an amazing sport in itself. And the fact that, you know, you're optimizing every, every single detail to, to get into that one optimal state, peak performance where you are sub 5% body fat, you know, like you've done everything right. Okay. To get to that point and you look amazing to, you know, in your own eyes in front of, you know, for a show or for a picture and that picture's on your wall. Right. And you then associate perfection with that picture. But, the physical state that you're in is completely unsustainable. Like it's completely, you you know, you're, it's, it's almost torturous to get into that position. You know it in the back of your mind, you know, that's the hardest thing you've ever done to get into that position, but you constantly go back to that. When you go back to what, you know, your normal normality, you still associate that, that period of time or that, that picture as it got as perfect perfection. And in fact, obviously you've, you've, you've sacrificed everything to get to that point, nothing sustainable. And I think that's probably the point you're making as well, isn't it? That it's totally unsustainable. But what I will say is elite performance. You're all, it's always going to be a fine line, right? Isn't it? Like you're always, it's always a knife edge, like to find the peak peak state performance. You, know, you might, you're going to fall off either side every now and again, but it's your ability to come back onto that line and, and be able to sort of remain healthy. Like you, you, you must deal with numerous people who are in elite, elite state where their body, you know, in terms of strength rate ratio, body fat percentage, it's, it's, it's right on the wire. But, you know, they must, you know, they must lose their period, but then didn't, how quickly do they regain it? You know, that must be a sign of how, where they're at physically, surely. Yeah, and, and it's not a practice that I would encourage, but obviously when you are working with these very elite level athletes, to a certain degree, you, you do need to periodize their training um, and their nutrition, knowing that chances are they may during a six week period leading into a major race or event, they may well skip a period. But the key thing is being able to get it back within the next month. So, you know, we always, the, the, the endocrine society's rules are that um, a female should have at least nine periods a year. Wow. So okay. that's, that's cool. kind of what we work towards. So, so if, who, who says that? Sorry. The endocrine society. That. No, that's, that's, that makes like straight away you're thinking. Well, yeah, it, it immediately thinks like three quarters of the month of the year you should be. Yeah, and 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 I think like the, the the thing about that is because we know that beyond that you're starting to really negatively impact your bone health, um, and that obviously is a problem if you're an elite athlete, right? So, so it's very you're right. It's very very finely managed. Um, but it's going to be, it's always going to be like, uh, we shouldn't sugar. I don't want to sugarcoat that because obviously I work with amazing athletes who female athletes have done, who you have to work hard to, you know, you, you are getting into that physical state where there are, you know, to, but then how long should you be in that state for, you know, like my personal experience, probably didn't have a period for 10 years. 
Yeah, that's too long. <laughs> exactly, of course. But then, you know, being on the pill, uh, being a young woman, going straight into, you know, training full time, you know, we didn't even think of it. We, we were completely oblivious to the, the impact of, and we just thought, as soon as she comes off the pill, as soon as, you, as soon as she wants to, boom, it'll happen. Four years later, we're still waiting, you know, like, so the body was completely rocked by that. And, but that, that was, that's where we're coming from. That's my, that's the place I'm coming from where, you know, that's my, uh, our background um, and our experience. The other, the other thing I was going to just actually, because you've mentioned that, I think that's really interesting because we're not, we're talking mainly about female reproductive hormones here. So we're talking about estrogen and, um, you know, luteinizing hormone and, and, and FSH and all those hormones. But the other one that I think is really important to bring up in conversation, because I've seen this so much as well, is thyroid. So it's really important to understand, this is males and females, but, you know, again, we're, we're, we're discussing females. But if you are doing endurance sport and you have a very heavy training volume and load, you will impact your thyroid function. So it, what happens is the thyroid function can get so affected that it can look on paper like you have hypothyroidism, like your thyroid function's not working. If you are a healthy individual who doesn't do sport and you present into any GP clinic um, with a slightly dropped thyroid function with you know the the thought that it could be hypothyroidism the the general practice is that they would say to you okay we'll leave it 12 weeks and we'll repeat and then they'll repeat the test and then if it's still low they'll go do you know what we'll leave it another six weeks and then we'll repeat because they don't want to really put you on thyroxine because that being on thyroxine long term has its own issues right what we're seeing in sport is that lots of young individuals have basically been overtrained or overreached or they're pushing themselves really hard and it's affecting their thyroid function. But the, the standard practice would be that you then reduce training volume for 12 weeks and you repeat the test in the same way. And if it still hasn't improved, then you would take training out for six weeks and then you'd repeat the test to see whether your thyroid function can reboot because, but what's happening is people are being put on thyroxine immediately. Now, when you get put on thyroxine at that point, you're basically ending up down-regulating your normal thyroid function completely. Like that's it. You've really affected it. And we also know that in these situations, it can have a negative impact on your bone health as well it affects all the other interactions with parathyroid hormone and, and everything else mm. so so the issue we've seen in, in our clinic is that there have been a numerous number of female and male athletes that have been put on thyroxine way too early and when we then sort of start discussing with them what's going on and, and everything else um, they realize that they've had reds and overtraining. So we're, we're trying to reboot their whole system. Um, we've had to start weaning them off the thyroxine because they don't need it. Their body can make it itself. It's just, they would push, they'd put into a state where it wasn't good. Now, the problem with that is it can then take their body years to reboot. So they get frustrated because they feel so awful because also your thyroid function is your, meta your metabolism. It's, it's kind of what gives you energy. So they feel frustrated because, you know, we're titrating the, 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 the thyroxine with producing your own, but really and take you, until you take the thyroxine out that you're adding, administrating, you can't really produce your own. So you're going to have this period of time where you feel rubbish. And it's like, but if you have been pushed if you have done that for several years and your body has kind of well stopped producing it because it's learned it's forgotten how to do it it is going to take time to a bit like the period it takes time for it to reboot you know so I, I would think about like a timeline like how long you've been doing something for so long and then you expect that immediate results and like for obviously us it was 10 years so we were like well you know if it's not happening right away well how long have we been abusing this system We've been abusing the system for a long time with overtraining and a lot of, you know, so Polly, obviously, when I say we, it's me and Polly. Polly, you know, it took us three, four years, you know, because it took that long for us to not only back off the training and like, you know, we're on Clomid, we were on so many different things to try and reboot the system and, you know, artificially stimulate things. Actually, 
it was the natural law of things that we'd had to really we'd take control of the variables the, the 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 natural variables which were backing off the training being fueling more appropriately and in and then time and we and the one thing that, that our society hates doing is being patient and like what you're talking about there is like it's our society in a nutshell right now where we just want no no no, no. i want to like, get me back tomorrow and they will not they will not accept the fact that there's there's a natural law of things that you have to accept. People come in to me and they want to, they want to lose weight, but they've been abusing their body for 20 years, and they want to change their body in six. There's habits that you've completely inf- reinforced, for, you know, in your in your system for for decades, and then you're telling me you want to change in six weeks. I could force it, but guess what? It's going to rebound, or it's going to get nasty. You know, it's going to end up getting worse. And I think is that fair to say that there's that kind of yeah. And I think that's it. Like people want outcome, but they don't always want to put the process in. Yeah. Particularly when it comes to these things, like training. Yeah, you give them as much training as you want, they'll do it. But they don't want to look at the, the bigger picture and get the right balance. And I, I, I will say this, and I will say it again and again and again. The, the, the human body is complicated. Hmm. It is not simple like calories in calories out training in training out it's not as simple as that it is a a very very finely tuned system of different processes and interactions you know biochemistry endocrinology physiology psychology let's not forget like all four of those have to be nurtured and I'll use that word nurtured, have to be nurtured if you want to get optimal outcome. And that's not what, and that's what we don't do enough of. But it's simple as well, because like if you, like in a, in a rawest form, if you step back and go, I'm going to back off our energy output, I'm going to improve my energy input, I'm going to rest more, and I'm going to just kind of think about, other, you know, like take my mind elsewhere, body restores itself but it's also the bloody hardest thing to do obviously all those things are the hardest things to do sometimes because we're so set in our own ways and we 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 thought we want to force the issue but like going in hindsight looking back we did everything you know it took us four years to kind of mentally get ourselves into a head place where we were expending less energy putting better fuel into our bodies uh, we started thinking about other things that so we, you know, we start to put a bit more effort into the business, into the business and it happened naturally. But it, you know, when you're there, it's my, it's, it's, it's complex. It's you overthink it. And so it's that kind of, yeah, the system is amazing. The body is a f- amazing complex system, but the principles are quite simple, but to apply them is in this complex world that we live in is the hard thing, the hard thing. But I think it's hard because we've started to use external sources to decide what we do whereas if you listen to your internal signals it tells us like we're you know you, you've got nothing just look at george right he knows when he's had enough milk and he's thriving right we are all born with the ability of knowing what we need to be to a certain degree um we learn about our circadian rhythm. So we learn that when it's dark, we sleep. When it's light, we, we get up. Like we, we all, we, we know all this. We're, 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 that's why we're so interesting and we're so complicated, but we're so fascinating to, 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 um, to study. That's why I've always wanted to study us, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but we still, and I think obviously more and more and more so with the rise of social media, with the, you know, with the rise of different apps, like everybody's using external sources to validate their behavior when actually it's all there. And like just going back to kind of like that female hormonal cycle, if you listen to your cycle, if you listen to your body and you you know you you fuel it accordingly so you 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 eat the carbs when it's saying i want more carbs and other times you'll notice you will notice that actually then as soon as you get your period actually you're just not that hungry anymore like you it's it's you can see it it's and by doing that and responding to your own internal rhythm 
you will get the outcome you're looking for. And I think like that's kind of where I'd like to end today really is just kind of full females realizing we do have a rhythm. We do have this hormonal rhythm. Nikki Kay, who I work with has, I love how she puts it. She says the, the female hormones are beautifully choreographed like a dance. They go up and they go down, they go up and they go down. And I think that's a really beautiful way of looking at it. And I think learning to be in tune with your body is probably the best gift Chris and I can give you and, and help you to, to get the results you're looking for. Yeah. No, love it. I mean, yeah, I just, I think that's what we both of us strive to do so much is just make sure, you know, get people to listen to themselves more and evaluate themselves a little bit better and step outside of themselves and go, okay, where, you know, what could you just be adjusting here? And just thinking about more here, you know, and you're, you're going to find what you're looking for, but it, you, you need that team around you. Like you need to have one or one or two people that you can really kind of just drill down into that there and allow them to, and allow to have that conversation. I think to, to have those, to talk about those certain things, because if you, if you, if you talk about those, those areas, those different areas we've talked about today, you will find what you're looking for. Like you will find those answers. It, it will take time and patience, which, um, but you will find it. So guys, we're going to end it there. If, if any of you have listened to this and thought, you know what, that, that makes so much sense and I'd really like to find out more. Um, I have actually written an ebook on this and um, it is going to be available shortly. So we'll put the information, um, we'll make the information available as soon as we know when that's going to be out and where you can purchase it from. Um, but also, as always, if you have any questions, you know, let us know. We're quite keen to do another live Train Brave, I think. Um, so Chris and I will discuss uh, the, the timing of that um, on, with both our diaries. And then we'll, we'll again, we'll do the same sort of thing. We'll put that out to you guys, give you the link, and we'll look forward to you joining us. So for now, stay safe. See you soon, guys.